I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. men say podcast Sunderland have won again yes you heard me right Sunderland have won again three games in a row after a 2-0 win over Fleetwood Town and we're looking ahead to what's hopefully going to be another win over crew Alexandra I'm Roy Fallow and I'm joined as always by Matthew Keelan hello how are we I mean, I think we're all pretty jubilant, Matthew, after Sunderland saw off another bunch of League One slugs. I called them a muggy club on the reaction pod. And for once, Sunderland didn't let us down, did they, Matthew? Didn't We didn't have to uh, eat any humble pie or hubris didn't come back to haunt us, did it? It's nice when that happens. It's not very often that happens. Um, <laughs> I did say a while ago, I just wanted to win 2-0. Yes, someone pointed that out on Twitter actually, and even I'd forgot that. So um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but you'll know who you are. So, you know, thanks, just a man. Um, we're also speaking of just men, we're also joined by Sunderland's premier just a man, Mickey Loff. Evening, lads. How are we? I mean, like I said, Mickey, we are very, very jubilant, and hopefully this mood is going to continue. And because he cried a little bit on Twitter earlier in the week about not being on the pod in a while, we're also joined by Lewis Newton. No, thanks for having me back. Guilt trip, guilt trip you into having me on. Yeah, it worked. It worked very well. Um, fair play. Um, yeah, let's. Um, we, I mean, we're just going to start very positively, lads, um, and probably keep that mood going as well. I'm sure. Um, I think what was quite reassuring. We'll dive straight into the Fleetwood game. What was quite reassuring for me was. You know, we saw the win over Doncaster was, you know, we found a bit of a glitch, as everyone's kind of said, and then just blew them away using that bit of quality with McGee and Wyke. Burton created a lot of chances. I know they went down to 10 men and had some chance themselves, but quite a comfortable win that, to be honest, could have been more than 3-0, given our chances. But last night was kind of, for me, that, um, that cliched type of game you have to win if you're going to get promoted. It's, it's not easy. You've got to be patient. You've got to allow your quality to show. And that's as well a type of game we haven't really been winning in League One, is it? And to see us get another variety of win, it doesn't often instill some confidence in, in you as a fan, does it, for, for our promotion chances? I, for me, it was... Um, do you remember when we beat uh, West Brom 2-0 mm-hmm. uh, to stay up under Poirier? It was like that sort of performance, wasn't it? Just like it's it, it's just a game that we've won easily. And riding, yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, there was sort of at half time. You did think it could go one of two ways. That was the only. I don't know if what you thought about it, Mick, but I thought we've got a mistake in us potentially given what we've seen from us this season. And that's the only thing that'll sort of do us out of a result here. And even if it like finished nil nil, you'd have sort of been like still quite frustrated, but that's more what I was worried about, but it was just so professional, wasn't it Mickey? It was. Yeah. And like you've alluded to, it's exactly the sort of win that you need if you want to get promoted. Um, I just, yeah, I completely agree with what you were saying at half time. I was a little bit concerned because I thought to myself, how many times have we been here where we've been the better team, we've controlled the game, and then they've had one chance or there's been a mistake by either the defence of a goalkeeper or a set piece, 
and suddenly you were goal down and you say us in the game, but we did exactly the opposite. We just kind of believed in what we were doing, which I think was really important. We didn't just start kind of getting desperate and trying to force things too much. We just kept like a belief in how we wanted to play and how we wanted to do things. And ultimately you paid off with that bit of quality by Aidan McGeady, who's just making Phil Parkinson look like even more of a mug <laughs> with every game that passes because that was just, again, an exceptional piece of quality, which I don't think any other side has in this league. And to be fair to Wade O'Brien, it's a terrific run he's made as well into the the poor Mosley Johnson would like to say, and he's took, mm. took his chance really well. And I think that's just credit to Lee Johnson in many ways as well. That goal exemplifies because Aidan O'Brien, I think we'd all forgot he was here before that AFC Wimbledon game, which was hit by all the COVID cases but he's actually found a role for him in the team and I think he could be an important man to have in the squad between now and the end of the season and he is showing glimpses of quality. So yeah, just really positive all around. Yeah, I think worth sort of singling out O'Brien, not just because of the goal, but I think Danny Collins said this on either in the commentary or on the on the post-match on the, on the club stream. He's such a good link player between your midfield and, and your, your striker, Charlie White, obviously at the minute. And it's, I think if if he keeps this up, he'll be a bit of a unsung hero of the season in that I think what really exemplifies O'Brien's play is there was one in the first half where White didn't win the header, the defender did, but he was straight onto the loose ball, good first touch, found McGeady really quickly. McGeady had a shot that deflected for a corner. Remember the first goal we scored against MK Dons? Similar sort of thing, similar area of the pitch. He, he lays it off to McGeady, who played through Charlie White to score. You need that type of player who's going to do that. His footwork's quite neat as well. He's always showing, he's always dropping deep. And you could see the delight, couldn't you, Lewis, on his face like when he scored. He hadn't half earned, earned a bit of a, a moment in the in the spotlight, so to speak, when he's doing all that sort of unsung work almost. Yeah, it look, you, you can see that there's a few players who are a bit like that at the moment. Like When things are going well for us, they kind of relish in it and the confidence builds. And he's definitely one of those players, like, he, he as Mickey said, he kind of does bring something a little bit different, but... The, the main thing with us over the last couple of seasons is winning second balls and that's what we're starting to do a little bit more now and obviously Johnson puts quite a lot of um, quite a lot into, into that kind of football which is why we've obviously seen 0-9 try and move back into the middle but just, just having someone who can pick up those second balls and get us up the pitch and stop us being under pressure all the time um, has been well great hasn't it because we're still we're scoring goals Yeah and, and credit to O'Brien as well because you know, we had the game against, um, it was Doncaster, wasn't it, where we played 4-3-3 and he wasn't in the side. He's only really came back in because we've had the, because of defensive injuries, bizarrely, because we've had to switch to more of a 3-4-3, which is which suits him sort of a little bit more. And is it's not like demoralised him anyway. He's not being petty about it. He's got on with it. He's accepted um, and credited Johnson because he's obviously probably managed that quite well in, in that all players, you know, players are going to be rotated bar, you know, the likes of McGeady and Wyke who are sort of mainstays at the team at the minute. Um, but yeah, I think Aidan O'Brien, like that we've touched on, he was a bit of a forgotten man and now he's back in the side and doing, doing a really good job. Um, we, we mentioned um, McGeady as well, Matt. I thought a bit of a quiet a game for him but that's why he's in the side isn't he because he'll still pop up with a brilliant cross like that and it's just like even when he's not at his best he's still doing something like that it's fantastic isn't it yeah it's um well that's him top of the assists chart now um and he started playing in december mm-hmm. so i think that sums him up pretty well to be honest um <laughs> That's what. No, that is why he's in the team. He can he can do not, relatively nothing and then just pop up and basically win you the game, putting it on a plate for O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, this quality is just streets streets above this level, um, yeah. which we've seen before, um, and continues to and continues to be the case even at the ripe old age of. What is he? 34, 35? Yeah, 35, I thought. Um, come on, Mickey, you surely know. You can probably remember his debut for Celtic, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of players at that age as well, links quite nicely on the on the Grant Ledbetter in the game in the middle for him, where, again, similar to O'Brien, it wasn't like a headline-grabbing performance. Um, well, obviously it was for O'Brien in this instance, but often with Ledbetter, you get that sort of that the hard work, water carrying almost at times, you could say, but the range of passing, the way he just takes the burden off the back four by showing for things and seeing nodding your head, Lewis, like it's just, 
he just gives so much quality, even if, if if he's not the quickest now or anything. He's just the quality's there to see, isn't it? It's like a, like him and McGee, they just seem to have stepped it up a notch in the last few games, particularly like McGee's just been just so nice to watch because he just seems to have this little free roll where he's just picking the ball up, skinning someone, but he's like doing like skills that you don't usually see on FIFA Street. Um, and he's like 35 in League One. But um, <laughs> with Ledbetter as well, he's just he just looks like he's enjoying it a little bit more. Um, and yesterday he kind of shot from about 35 yards of a free kick because the keeper was off his line. He turned on and <laughs> laughed, whereas before it would have been pure stress. Yeah, um, so very just, true. See the confidence is just like boosting out with him and it, you know, it's just lovely to watch. It's nice to see, isn't it? Just you're right. It's really nice to see from all of them. They're just having a nice time. Yeah. I mean, how long is it like... You know, even though we were functional under Parkinson at times and there seemed a bit of a spirit there, I guess, but there's definitely more togetherness now and that fits in with bringing McGeady back into the fold, doesn't it? And, you know, it's not been easy for Johnson. We've asked questions of him on this pod and I think rightly so, but, you know, three wins on the bounce. Another clean sheet as well. Like we've not even spoke about how good the defence was last night. No shots on goal at all for Fleetwood, which you give some it's credit to, to the midfield. But that's a back three with one centre-half, albeit a centre-half and Dion Sanderson, who's playing amazing. But credit to the other two as well. Like Luke O'Nine has been really good there. Conor McLaughlin is a man reinvented as well. Unless you're Matthew Keelan, of course. Right, you see. Right. <laughs> You've I backed him all the way, haven't you? <laughs> of course, the, the Glacier. Um, they've been, look, Fleetwood had, what, a couple of pokes of the ball across the box? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, can be de- almost like are as good as a tame shot on target, you know what I mean? Like that sort of, yeah, just as creative, I guess, as that. But the stats having no shots on target is or on goal is frankly pathetic. And that shows that they were just, Mar- just marshalled out of the game. The defence is like Sanderson's a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Um, McLaughlin's just using, I know he's not a, a, a centre half, but just using his football league experience to play yeah. there and manage himself through the game. Um, and 09 is just like, is that, and he's, he's just like, I was blowing some balloons up the other day <laughs> about his birthday and like, I let go of one and it just went around the room, just like. <laughs> Went mental, that's him, that's Luke O'Nine. He's like a balloon that's been let go. Just like, it just goes wherever he wants and does whatever he wants to do. It was nice to see uh, Lee Johnson single them out for some praise today, saying he's like one of the best utility players he's ever seen. And Luke O'Nine, I don't know if anyone saw the interview in the Athletic he gave. Um, it just came out yesterday with George Colton. And O'Nine was saying about how he's a bit of a utility player, that he doesn't want to just be sore as doing a job there or doing all right. He wants to be compared to the the best player in the division in that in that position. And he holds himself to that standard. And if you've got your players doing that, like who aren't just going to settle for mediocrity or second best, and you can that even reflects in the goal celebrations at times, just doesn't it like how you know, elated they are, but there's this, it goes back to that togetherness as well and that team spirit and they all, they're all just striving for the best at the moment, aren't they? They are, and I mean, um, it can be quite easy as well that when you're playing behind closed doors, especially when you're scoring goals to maybe not have that same kind of like immediate feeling of emulation because you're not kind of getting that almost like intoxicated feeling off like the crowd going mental and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what pleased me as well with the last couple of games against Burton and Fleetwood. Hopefully this is kind of the end of what I like to call like the typical Sunderland crack because I understand why people do it and it's just kind of gallows humour. But sometimes I feel as if people, particularly on Twitter and stuff, they almost kind of trip over themselves to be like, eh, well, wouldn't it just be Sunderland if this happened? Like, I mean, the other week when Will Grigg went and went Don's on loan, despite the fact he quite clearly couldn't play against us in the next two games, everyone was saying, eh, well, wouldn't it be typical if Will Grigg scores against us? And it's just because we've been chipped at so many times over the years and we have almost become like Bernardo's FC. Like, if there's a team in need, we'll just go and give them three points or we'll break a striker's duck or something like that. So to go to Burton Albion, who are a bit of a bogey team, obviously we've got the history of them relegating us and we've only won once when we've played them since we came down to the Championship um, back in 2017. And then Fleetwood, we've not beaten at all since we came down here. So to beat both of those sides convincingly, it's really good to see. And I just hope this is the start of kind of like the phrase typical Sunderland a couple of years will be more synonymous with that, just getting the job done and being efficient rather than like we use it over the years in the kind of ironic sense. Yeah, getting that those 
monkeys off the back with another Borgie team beaten. And, you know, Fleetwood, have, I know it's like a different manager now and, you know, Joey Barton being there before brought them a sort of an edge, so to speak, but they've routinely done a job on us. Even like when we played them earlier this season, like the similar sort of game. Like I know we took the lead when we played them away, but it was similar, wasn't it, Lewis? And we still chucked it away. We actually got a good bit of a silly yeah, sort of lucky, goal. lucky goal, wasn't it? Goal. Yeah, like fair, fair play for White for that goal. Like don't get us wrong, but you know, you look at that and compared to last night, and even though it's just a 2-0 win, if you were watching us every week, you would see a bit of progress there, wouldn't you? And you would understand why people are, why fans now, myself included, are like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm starting to believe in this all again. <laughs> My main takeaway from yesterday was, not that obviously that we looked comfortable throughout the game, obviously they had, they didn't really have any clear chances. They, they started to build a bit of momentum after we scored and started to come back into it. But there was a period just before we scored our second where I think Jordan Jones was the one who missed the chance. But we played about 20 passes, but we played the passes in phases where we kind of, no panic. Um, I think it was Sanderson or nine, uh, McFazian. And it just kind of went all the way into Ledbetter, then back into power, then over to Ledbetter. It was just calm and it was moving and everything was fine. And then it finally went out to Jones on the wing and he should have scored. And it probably, mm-hmm. and I said, I messaged out Chris at the time. I said that would be one of the best scores we've probably scored since we've come down from the Prem. And he just laughed at us. But it probably would have been. It's been hard to kind of enjoy football. And it's now like we're kind of watching a bit of football um, and we look calm. And even though we were only 1-0 up and that's the kind of the, the time of the game under every other manager where we'd have conceded 1-1, everyone's fuming on Twitter. No one cares again. But because we've kind of gone and scored and there's a bit of feel, like the feel-good factor, you're kind of you're getting that off the players as well. You're getting that confidence mm-hmm. kind of bouncing off them a bit. That's the last, that's my takeaway from anywhere. But you can see how the manager's kind of affected that. No, there's that swagger there. We spoke about that on the pod last Thursday that we need to show a bit of that and a bit of arrogance and you know stringing passes mm. together like that. And you know to go back to the confidence thing. Look at the way Power took his goal. He saw that his man just had his eye gone off him for a second. He started making that run. Maguire credit to him as well. He saw it straight away as soon as he saw Power making that run. He was getting the ball in and. You know, that's confidence as well. Like, you're not trying that. If if you're edgy, like, you're just, like, banging the ball in and hoping for the best, aren't you? But, you know, you mentioned before, led bit of trying that shot. Um, just, yeah, that confidence is just there all the way. I mentioned power there. I thought he was excellent last night. He's been brilliant lately. He's someone who, this season, yeah, he has had dips in form, but I think people have been quite unfair on him. Um, I think you agree, Matthew, that people single him out because... He puts himself out there. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll do the, he'll take the flat in the post-match interviews, even. But he's always there on the pitch. Yeah, he might not have the best game, but he's always a leader there. He's always trying to affect the game, and you can always see what it means to him, can't you? Like he, he is, he does exemplify like the sort of the the spirit, the direction we want to be going in, that effort that we want to see, and to see him get that goal, a really well taken goal, another good performance from him that leader on the pitch. It was such a big positive for me last night. Uh, oh, absolutely. He, um, you've mentioned eh, he hasn't had maybe some of the best games this season, but he's always effective. Even though he's not playing well, he's effective off the ball. He is a, he is a captain and it says a lot that you've got someone like Ledbetter in the, in the squad, in the team every week and Power is the, is the team captain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, Testament to his, his character, really, and his and his experience. You know, he's 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 done this a few times now, um, at, at the top end of this division with obviously with Wigan and with ourselves. In fact, you know, like, I know he hasn't successfully done it, but he's been in and around the top yeah. six now for basically the last six years of his career, bar a spell in the championship with Wigan. Um, I I'll, I think he's great. I love. Well, I don't need to go on about like what. <laughs> no, I go on, go on, go on. I love him. I think he's got did a thing last week and put him in my best ever, my favorite ever Sunderland eleven, <laughs> you know, which I'm, you know, probably be ridiculed for. But I'd love to see that. Just, <laughs> yeah, I just think he's like exemplifies what you want in in someone, especially at this level. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, you can see you said it there. What it means to him. He'll be desperate to get us promoted. He's always in the final year of his contract. He'll be desperate mm-hmm. to stay, even. He'll be desperate yeah. to, to stay for another season or, or whatever. And 
to just to see him lift the the trophy at the end of the season and the Logano's pizza trophy. What a niche reference. What a treat that'll be for everyone. Oh, God, I can't no see one... me face at the minute, but I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat at that one. <laughs> no, no one wants the Logano's pizza trophy <laughs> or Logano's pizza. Anyone in the SR6 area <laughs> will know that. <laughs> um, I know we did touch on Dion Sanderson, but I don't think we, we praised him enough there. And that maybe kind of exemplifies just how good he is and how quietly he's going about his business, doesn't it, Mickey? The fact that we just expect this from him now. He's a fairly inexperienced player, um, quite young, but he looks he looks like a leader almost. The way he's like marshalling that defence, keeping another clean sheet. Um, he got voted man of the match. I noticed on on Twitter last night on the club Twitter, but thoroughly thoroughly deserved. And there's there's rumours abound that we're looking to bring him in permanently. Um, I don't know if that will happen, regardless of what division we're in, but. Where he's looking at the minute, you'd certainly be looking for a, another loan deal potentially, wouldn't you? It would be a huge statement of intent if we could get him in, regardless of what league we're in. Because given his age, he's only going to improve and get better the more he plays. But I just think he's been absolutely excellent since he came in, and like you said, the maturity that he shows is kind of like beyond his years, isn't it? The way he can kind of marshal the players around him, and he, I think he kind of sees himself as almost like the captain of the defence, if that makes sense, because he's the only natural centre-half, so he's really took that responsibility on, he's been great. What I like about him is, and this is going to sound a little bit silly, given that he is a defender, but he loves, he absolutely just loves defending, and that's not so common in kind of like young players nowadays. He's very decent on the ball, and he's capable, but he very much is a defender first, um, like tackling, headers, being a stopper, but what I like about him particularly is, just how calm and unflustered he is. I mean, every now and again, he'll make a mistake, which all players do. But what I love about him is, if he does get wrong side of his man, he doesn't panic and bring him down. He'll just get back on the right side, kind of get a foot in, win the ball back, recycle it. And I just think he's been an absolute like credit to himself so far this season. And even when he talks in the media, he speaks really well. And I just think he'd be an absolutely brilliant addition next season, even if it is just on loan. Yeah, I'm quite like sad. This might sound a bit daft, like that he's the player I'm singling out for this. That I'm quite sad that if unless he does come back next season, we'll never see him play for us live. Because with a defender of that quality who plays in that way, you appreciate the position and the reading of the game when you can see the whole picture a bit more. And sometimes that's a bit hard to to pick up on the telly. Like I'd love to, and I think he'd probably be getting even more praise from fans if if we could see that. So for that reason alone, let's get him, let's get him signed up again. I think when he signed, he said in his interview that he just loves tackling. And you can see that when he's like when a player runs past him by just like just an inch, he just smashes him and it's just <laughs> like but that would just get the stadium on his feet. But it's actually yeah. it's nice to have a lone player um who we rate and we want to keep again because we've had so many in the last couple of seasons where it's like, what's the point in having you? Like, what are you here for? You Whereas he's coming. You didn't want to keep Mark McNulty. I just wanted to give Declan John a game to be fair to see if he was actually a footballer. Um, <laughs> see not if just, just, not yeah. one of those, not one of those FIFA um, ones that they just make up and put on there. Yeah, Regents. A region, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's he's just mint though, Dion Sam. I, I just love watching him play. Like that's probably that's probably one of the best things about this little run is just watching a few of the players and just seeing how much they're enjoying it. Yeah, and it's, it gives you confidence that because um, Lee Johnson spoke, we'll cover this a bit in the setting off the pod, but he spoke that Tom Flanagan's still a week away, Bailey Wright's a couple of weeks away, so we're still going to be lacking. Obviously, John Willis has got a long-term injury. Um, Shamadjli as well, the, the forgotten man, is, oh, yeah. is not coming back anytime soon, is he? <laughs> Remember that time I um, had him as my one to watch in our pre-season um, like preview? Oh, well done. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, well done. Where did you predict we'd finish, though? Fifth. Oh, well, we're fifth now, so that might still come off. I, think I was the only one who said first, wasn't I? So it's, it's still on. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sanderson's going to be the only centre-half for at least the next game, maybe the next two games. So you, you feel confident with the, the way he's playing and the way McLaughlin and, and or nine are as well. Um, away from on-the-pitch stuff, um, we obviously had Kirill Louis-Dreyfus' first interview at half-time, um, which has now been circulated on all the club's uh, social channels, etc. 
the big takeaway was the fact that he mentioned that the club had been asset stripped, mm. which um, a certain relative of someone on tonight's pod <laughs> was very, very excited about. I'm sure it doesn't, you don't have to guess very much for who that was. Um, yeah, my dad what... was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> very good. He very was good. straight in the family group chat with exclamation marks. <laughs> look, everyone, look. We are, of course, on about our resident finance, finance Chris Weatherspoon. Um, but yeah, the, well, yeah, exactly. But the, the asset stripping thing was like, quite a statement for him to say that, wasn't it? And, you know, a lot of people defended what Mad Rocks were doing for quite a long time. But with Kira Louis-Dreyfus saying that kind of proves that, you know, they were just how badly they were running the club. And it's nice to hear that, to not hear, just hear him being honest, but we've now seen on Company's House that there's no one from um, Mad Rocks left on the board. Um, Satori and Donald have now departed. Obviously, they've still got minority stakes, but no longer on the board. Um, they've been replaced with Igor Levin, who was the Lou Dreyfus family lawyer and was involved at Marseille, and Patrick Tro. Tro? going to hope I'm pronouncing that right, who was the CFO of the Louis Dreyfus group as well. So well connected there. I've obviously done, you know, this ran these big operations at a high level. We're not bringing in just men from Eastleigh anymore, are we lads? Like, I'm not going to like say I know that who any of these men Louis Dreyfus has appointed are, but when you look at their career backgrounds, what they've been involved in previously, and the fact that Louis Drifts is just appointing these people, we saw the stuff with the um, academy earlier in the week, the appointments there. He's just doing things. Not like the previous lot who said that we're going to do all these things. He's just getting on with stuff and doing it, appointing people who look qualified for the job. And, you know, it's we're on about being optimistic for going on on the pitch, but that kind of thing, that kind of professionalism that we've been crying out for, that makes you optimistic off the pitch as well. Well, he's appointed people who, you know, appear to have done the job they've been appointed to do before, right? Rather than just like people, he he obviously does know them, but like he knows obviously what they're capable of as well. Yeah, it's not jobs for the boys. It's definitely not, is it? It's like these are, you know, like global companies and stuff. That it's not like I well. I uh, ran the, you know, the Burger Van at Eastleigh, so let's put him in charge of the academy. Right. Uh, he's always oh, a canny fella. Let's give him a job running something. No, like these are actual people. <laughs> yeah. What I think's impressed me a lot about Dreyfus as well, he very much seems to be like his own man. And I know that's like quite a simplistic thing to say, but you often see these people who are kind of bored into money. Sometimes it can kind of live off the reputation of family members. And they're very happy to take the praise and the adulation, but they don't want to do a lot of the work themselves. Whereas Dreyfus, he just comes across as so kind of like driven and single-minded. And I'm not saying that he won't seek the help of maybe the people, the connections he's got as a result of his family, but he seems very much his own man who wants to make his own decisions. And we talked before about Dion Sanderson kind of being wise beyond his years. Like Louis Dreyfus certainly seems a lot more kind of like mature than like your average kind of 23 year old. And I know that's because of his background to a large extent, but he's got all the qualifications in the world in kind of like football administration and business and stuff like that. So as I say, just lots of reasons to be optimistic. And like you pointed out, he's just come in, he's getting things done. But I think it's worth touching on what Stephen said as well on the pod on Monday, that he's come in straight away and he's spending more on a pitch than what we saw, sold Joe Hugel to Man United for. And it's just, you kind of, sometimes you think back and just, oh, if only he'd come in a year earlier and we could have maybe like got out of this mess a bit sooner. But we've just got to look to the future with positivity now and hopefully we'll learn from the mistakes that the previous regimes made. Well, hopefully, absolutely. And, um, and one more thing on last night, the, the new streaming service as well. We had multiple camera angles and stuff like that. That's evolving and growing as well. Like the, the post-match stuff with like interview from Lee Johnson. And, you know, I know they've been doing like the, the hashtag Ask Danny as well. But even that like already has given, been given like fresh injection, so to speak. And, you know, like, again, it goes back to professionalism, things being ran well and us being a... You know, we're a big club in, and yes, we are in League One, but we should have 
these great facilities that complement our stadium, our training ground, and hopefully get the st- everything else off the pitch and on the pitch to, to complement this as well. Um, but yeah, it also, credit- sorry, sorry, just no, I, no, think, I think the whole kind of like hashtag Astani thing and the post match or why I really like that is because it kind of extends your match day a little bit, whereas like before, like the 90 minutes would end and then you would just kind of like, oh, well, that's it now till next week, whereas now the match finishes and at least you've got that kind of like 15 minute spell wait and watch the highlights. And like I say, it just feels like a lot more like polished and a lot more like you're watching a game on sky. It's just really good to see because in these times, I think we need the, the absolute like best service we can possibly get to like maximize our enjoyment of the game. So that's a great step in the right direction by the club. Like well done. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're saying, it's, it's, it's like that sort of watching a match on sky, getting that post-match analysis, it's a bit of engagement as well, which, kind of what you're alluding to there, Mitty's like important at the minute. Um, I think that does us for for last night's glorious 2-0 win over that muggy little cod army. Finally seen them off. Um, when we come back, we'll look ahead. Um, we're going to go from a town that doesn't even have a train station to one that bloody loves trains. Crew Alexandra, stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm Stephen Elliott, and you listen to the Wise Man Say podcast. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Before we look ahead to our trip to Crew Alexandra, we would like to remind you to go to fromtheterraces.co.uk. Use the discount code WMS10. Get yourself a lovely T-shirt. Start, you know, we've had the, the potential that on June the 21st, everything's going to be all right. So start thinking about summer. Get yourself some shorts so you can, you know, relax comfortably in the lovely <laughs> hot weather in all the beer gardens we're going to be going to um, and anything else. Um, you know, the weather might change. Get yourself a jacket as well. Mickey, you're a From the Terraces jacket owner, I do believe, aren't you? I am indeed, yeah. I've got them um, two types of jackets, no less. Well, there we go. What an endorsement. And I'm you can gonna, get 10% um... off. Oh, I'm sorry, get, sorry, Rory. I'm going to no, get myself. No. A, <laughs> I'm going to get myself jacket. I think for April twelfth, when I'll be sitting outside drinking Stella in the rain. I mean, <laughs> it's it, it, the fact that I own two jackets is quite telling because, as you know, I'm a man that's um, not usually like a coat wearer. So Very the fact true. that I, the fact that I'm endorsing those coats in particular, well, what can I say? Yeah, you are a man who shuns warmth. Um, Matt, have you, have you picked which pub you're going to sit out in the rain um, and drink Stella first? Well, depends on, you know, I'm, I'm awaiting announcements as to whether any any pubs that rhyme with barber poo might, uh, <laughs> might, might open their beer garden if it's worthwhile. I mean, but, gardens, but it very much inverted commas, isn't it? Terrace, if you want to be bit kind. Of pavement. Yeah, but it is more a bit say. of a pavement with Probably. a bit of... Probably bit a bit of glass stack. there. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah lovely stack. Little, stack. Stacks probably glass. Or... No, no. Well, well, I don't know. Things things <laughs> might turn. Who knows? Get out of hand if it rains. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're going to need to look hard. So get some from the terraces gear and get 10% well, off okay. using the discount code <laughs> WMS10. Crew uh, Alexandra, 11th in League One. Um, pretty indifferent form, as you'd expect from a team pretty much banging mid-table. 2-0 uh, win over Accrington on Tuesday night for them, but recently lost to Swindon and Peterborough before that. Um, their top scorer, also quite a familiar one to us in Mikel Mandron. Oh, no. Uh, oh, yes, he's back <laughs> and he's not happy. 
Um, it's it's interesting to see them doing like fairly well. They were threatening the playoff places quite recently, which you know when we played them under Parkinson, they didn't look any great shakes at all. Didn't didn't they? And we were quite annoyed. We only won one nil with an own goal. They were very very poor, but potentially a different prospect we're facing on. Saturday. I think um, I think they're quite a young side, aren't they? Um, and obviously they've just come up from League Two. So I think that might explain some of the indifference form, maybe. I, okay. I, I'm sure I remember reading about them pre this is This is where someone tweets in and says they've got the oldest average <laughs> agent in the football <laughs> league ever. But I'm sure I remember reading that they're quite a young side. Um, but I agree they were you know, pathetic when we played them. So I don't, I don't think they were quite as poor as you as I said. I thought they were absolutely, oh, tooth, they were absolutely toothless, don't get us wrong. But like I think they were like quite neat and tidy on the ball and stuff. And just from listening to the like D three, D four podcast, they tend to say that they do like kind of play attractive football, but the problem they do have is like scoring goals and converting the chances. So if we can just kind of like um, replicate the performances we have been recently, then it should be another comfortable win, hopefully. Yeah, one little cause for, for concern. Um they do have the third best home form in the league. Um, obviously, we're quite good away from home. We've got fourth best away form. So, you know, couple that with their sort of recent form. Are we expecting maybe a similar sort of game what we saw on Tuesday? Another good challenge, challenge that if we get the win here and if we make it quite comfortable, it's another difficult sort of game ticked off potentially in a, another statement of intent as well. Because if we do get a win, it's four wins in a row as well. I think that's the key one. And it's- Stupid as it sounds and as obvious as it sounds, we just have to keep winning, don't we, at this stage? Because the, obviously it's important to put a run together, but a run of three games is like, just, if you lose, you kind of just back to square one a little bit. Whereas if you kind of get past that mark, and especially with the games that we've got coming up, don't really want to jinx them, but um, it's, a, it's it's definitely a game that the players in the squad should be eyeing up, especially the ones who are sitting on the bench if they get on. Should be like looking to make a marker, and the players who are obviously starting should be just continuing the way they are because there's obviously players sat there waiting to to take their take their space. Yeah, you obviously can't, you obviously can't think too far ahead, but I think why a win on Saturday will be so crucial is I think after that we've got them um, Swindon and Rochdale to play. I'm not sure in which order that is, but they're two of the poorer teams in the league, and Rochdale like to play like really kind of like attacking football, and they love playing out from the back, and I think that would suit us down to the ground. Um, because they've been leaking a lot of goals um, Rochdale as well recently and they're really in relegation trouble and Swindon they're arguably the worst team I think I've seen this season and like the the manager we've got doesn't have a great rep either so if we win on Saturday then like you say that's four wins in the league in a row and then we've got a great chance to go and make it six wins in a row and then that really is kind of like promotion form they're sending out a message to the league so I just think with the forthcoming games in mind and we could take some great form into that Portsmouth game just before the Pizza Cup final. So, yeah, I think Saturday is a big game in a lot of respects. I think yeah. also, sorry, just before no, no. Uh, move on, um, when Johnson took over, I think it was, I think we were 12 points behind home. Now we're three points behind with two games in hand. So, so, so like, we're climbing slowly. And we're like, we're up to fifth. We were kind of up to sixth and down to seventh. But we've, we've jumped ahead of Ackman and now we're making gains on us and their games in hand. And now we're ahead Ooh. of them. Um, so we're kind of slowly, we're surely getting there. And we just we just need to continue really because if we just don't want it to come crumbling back down. <laughs> well, no, exactly. Um, a win could have us um, third as well. We could leapfrog Hull, albeit only on goal difference this weekend. Um, third is the highest we could go with a win. We would be dependent on Hull losing away to Wimbledon, but given Hull's form at the minute, you wouldn't you know you wouldn't write that one off. Um, and Portsmouth, we're talking with Gillingham, who you know can be a bit tough. Um, like you were saying, Lewis, we were miles behind Hull when Lee Johnson first came in. Portsmouth looked fairly out of touch for us as well. And now we're one point behind Portsmouth, three points behind Hull, could be above them this weekend. It's and you you can only concentrate on yourself, especially at this like still at this stage of the season when it's all just about putting getting those points on the board when there's so many still to play for. But you can't really sort Hard of... not to, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You can't blame any any fans for having a look at other teams because it's kind of just ticking things off, isn't it, right? Now we've gone above them. Now we've yeah. gone above them. It's just, it's part of your momentum, isn't it? It's, you know, short-term goals almost, I suppose, isn't it? And 
you know, just having them in our sights again, they'll they'll be fearing us at the minute. Like if looking at us putting three wins together, not being the typical Sunderland that you alluded to before, Mickey, not just functional, but a bit of swagger as well. There'll, there'll be some arses twitching in those four teams above us, I think. I think if you're Sunderland as well, you're looking at them teams and you're seeing how they'll go on like a win of two games, three games, and then they'll lose two in a row and then just drop back down. So you must be, so they must be looking at the form and thinking, well, they just keep losing random games. Like if we can keep putting these games together and just keep doing what we're doing, because we've got enough quality to do that, especially with some of the players, then the, the, the confidence in the dressing room or the talk in the dressing room must be that we can catch them quickly and we can start getting into those automatic positions fairly soon if we keep going. Yeah, and quality's the the big thing, and the and the depth of it as well. We we're, we're seeing Jordan Jones come on off the bench um, recently and make good positive impacts. Jack Diamond's obviously an option as well, and you know even Carl Winchester, who of course Matthew yes. Carl Winchester. Uh, we are very lucky to have. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's looked that way recently, hasn't it? With the way he's coming on, looking neat and tidy, his little Cruyff turn against oh. Burton. That was, um, I think it's, I saw Phil Smith saying that needs uh, framing and hanging in the Winter Gardens. <laughs> it was lovely to see that. Um, it's not very often we get a player that can do things like that. <laughs> um, you know. So, well, we're just, I think the main thing with Winchester is to just enjoy him while he's here. <laughs> Much like you, Seth and Young, we had in Zenden and Winchester. You do on Sandersons. Yeah, Sandersons. <laughs> you just enjoy him while he's here before he, he, he goes on to bigger and, of course, better things. Absolutely. Could not agree more. But he can't even get a start at the minute. Um, but he, he does speak to, to our depth, the fact that he's merely making the bench at the moment. Um, would we have any of those? players pushing for a start lads do you think any changes to the start and 11 um back three is obviously going to stay the same given the you know we spoke earlier about how Flanagan's still a week away uh Bailey Wright still got a couple of weeks out so that back three picks itself um and you're probably looking at Lyndon Gooch as as a wing back with McFadden on the other side um and I guess it does just pick itself. I know I'm kind of answering my yeah. own question. Is, is there any changes anyone would make? Though? Am I missing anything glaringly obvious? Remy um, Matthews for Lee Burge. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't even suggest things like that. You should be booted off the pod. In- <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, oh, you should have seen some of the things I was saying the other week. <laughs> well, I don't think I would, really. Um, it could, he does like to keep it fresh, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may be looking at at Ledbetter, maybe. Um, yeah, Ledbetter for Winchester, Winchester could actually be one. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't really see um, whether maybe maybe Gooch gets a rest. I think he's been really good, but whether he, he gets a rest um, and um, Jones maybe comes in from the start. Yeah, um, it's not something do I would fi- do. I'm just thinking of things that he might do. No, do, yeah, like, do, do you think? Do you think Johnson sees him as like a starter long term, and he's only not playing at the minute because he hasn't had the game time at Rangers, or do you think he makes a better impact off the bench? I think a little bit of both at the moment, and obviously, Dan McGeady plays in his position, and he's kind of free Dan McGeady to play a bit of a fake ten, if like, and a bit of a fake eleven at the same time because he's kind of in the middle. I'm just using a bit of Johnson's Tony where he kind of. Puts <laughs> of every number but he does it similar with Gooch as well though. like if you notice on Tuesday night Gooch came into the centre and he kind of changed the formation yeah. it worked really well so there is, it could potentially be that change where I know Aiden O'Brien played really well but he has dropped Aiden O'Brien in the past and then brought him in the second half and played Gooch a little bit higher up he just likes to tinker and I think that's what makes it exciting as well to be fair because we're actually yeah we've got more than a plan here for once yeah massively and I, and I think that's you know we saw it with Burton didn't they they'd they look like they've done their homework on us to play a certain way with a certain system. And, we, we, you know, under Parkinson, even when we were doing well, we were fairly predictable. And that's why even when we were getting wins, they were quite often just by the odd goal and grinding it out. Whereas now teams don't really know what they're going to get in terms of system and personnel. And when that personnel you've got is so good, like Jones, Diamond, Chris Maguire, not even getting starts at the minute. I've said this before, they would walk into the vast majority of League One teams starting 11s or they'd be involved far more than they are here at the minute. And fair play for Johnson for finding that balance of, I'm sure, well, likes of Maguire do want to be starting games, but 
his man management seems to be quite good in keeping them all happy and he's not exerting Aidan McGeady too much. I think McGeady came off at 1-0 on um, on Tuesday night, didn't he? It wasn't, the game hadn't been settled yet. So, yeah, he's getting that rotation right and it's, it's very pleasing, isn't it? I think it's so pleasing to see the rotation work. Sorry, Mark, cut across you there. Um, but it's, it's good to see... <laughs> yeah, it was Lewis, I think. Apologise to Lewis. Oh, oh, well, sorry, I withdraw my apology then. Um, oh, that's me. It's just rude, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Um, Chris isn't here to bully, so his relatives like an aspects thing. Um, Champion. But no, it's good to see the, um, the rotation working so well because I think what that does it keeps players happy and it's good from a man management perspective because you can say to lads with confidence look I'm not dropping you it's not because of your form it's not because of how you're playing it's just because we need to freshen things up and if you can do that well consistently then that means I think you're going to keep everybody happy which is something that Parkinson certainly really struggled with throughout his entire tenure here so it's another thing Lee Johnson's been good at and one thing which I think I want to touch on as well I think we've alluded to it but with like Brigadier and stuff like that but I think the main strength of Johnson so far, and this is why I think there were green shoots even before this upturning form happened, it was because I think he's getting the best out of like individual players. So even that before that Shrewsbury game, we were getting we we're seeing a lot more out there than O'Brien, like I alluded to earlier. We're getting the best out of Charlie White. He got that hat trick down at Wimbledon and had a great goal scoring record. Obviously, he gave in McGeady that free role and he was kind of like setting up goals and that before this spectacular run of form he had. So I just think he's just done really well. I think he's getting like everything out of his squad and we're seeing it kind of performing even a little bit better than the sum of its parts in the last few games. Whereas with Partinson, I think the danger was we're performing like below the sum of its parts a lot of the time. So yeah, I think we'll, we were right to ask questions after the Shrewsbury game, but I think overall he's proved that um, he's, he's doing really well so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully it's just hitting this form at the right time. Again, I'll go back to, to Thursday's, uh, last Thursday's pod, the, the preview pod, that we've seen these runs of forms before and quite often they've tailed off. But are we doing this at the right time where it's all going to come together as well? And if, if we can get another win, four wins on, on the bounce, and that's so, that'll be such a statement. Um, obviously, it probably will be tough. I'm fully prepared for Mikel Mandron to, to make 2-2 <laughs> at the last kick of the game. Um, but will yeah. that be the case, lads? Will we see the fourth win on the spin? Or are we going to get derailed over at Crew? Yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. Um, that was, I didn't think that was right off, right off the dorm there as well. Would have been better if I just carried on rather than bragged about it, but you know, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be me. Um, Lewis, how do you see the game going on Saturday? I don't really want to say, if I'm honest. Um, not because it's bad, not because it's good. I just don't want to... I just can't put the pressure on the lads. I just need to just, just um, Because they're all obviously can listening can I, to this. Can I just yeah. say that what you say now has no bearing on the game on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, but my brain doesn't work like that. I have to kind of... Uh, my brain I, doesn't work. So. <laughs> I have the same process. I go through on a Friday all the way through to Saturday morning before the game kicks off. I was going to say, Lewis, are you, are you, are you quite superstitious? Su- are you yeah, superstitious? Yeah. yeah. So what, what, are you, what are your match day superstitions then? What different ones so like Derby Day superstitions? Well, no, you can't have. Wait there, so you wait. There. Oh no, no, I quite like this, Matthew. Got, Let, let's see the categories of superstitions. Right. Wow. <laughs> so I've got I've got my own match day superstitions, okay. and then kind of a Derby Day superstition, which which is kind of like starts on a Friday. It's got to be like a full piss up out, and you've got to kind of have a kebab and stay at someone's house, so like a friend's house. Have a cramp. <laughs> stay at someone's house because it all happened with the first three nil. I also got cramp in my in my calf in the middle of the night, that, but I haven't kind of replicated that since. And, and so well, I don't think that's one. Way. I don't think that's one of the things that that's needed. And then it goes on Saturday morning, so you've got to have a can of Carlin with breakfast. Carlin, <laughs> Lewis, this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it works. It to be fair, yeah, yeah. Right. Any other, any others? I, I like this. I want to hear. I, mean, I want to hear. I, I, I mean, I just do the simple things like don't walk over three drains. The um, simple things. Well, fair play to him. He's doing the simple things, but he, <laughs> but he's also pulling out the big guns, like having a can of Carlin at eight a.m. <laughs> So right, so what 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 ritual will we be going through this Saturday? It's not a derby, so what's what's your ritual for this? Um, wash my hair on a Friday night, so it's nice and fresh, and then I'll do it straight away after the shower on a Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> you want to be looking nice for the for the match, be looking nice. Enough. And yeah, at yeah. the moment, it's a, a bottle of Stella during the game. That's kind of keeping things ticking over. So okay. ticking over. <laughs> Until we lose, then I've got to change it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But what's the score going to be, Lewis? Is, is your superstition going to work? I think I'm going to go. 
3-1 Sunderland. 3-1. Concentration on his face. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind it, though. The Dan Howden good bet as well. Although, since I've started putting that on, Sunderland, he had a win 3-1. Mickey Loff, any any superstitions you'll be doing and how do you say the game going? No superstitions for me. However, I do wish that predictions did have a bearing on how we did because could you imagine if our seasons played out according to some of the predictions that have been made on this preview podcast? <laughs> I mean, just just caught me quite optimistic until, you know, some, some recent hiccups recently. Just Connor Mack scoring worldies every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or five um, goals for Lee Burge was a recent prediction. <laughs> as well. um, my prediction, I'm going to go 2-0 Sunderland. Nice, nice and simple, keeping it clean. Uh, Matthew, and I'm not just going to ask you a prediction, but if you remember on the last reaction pod, I said, is the optimism coming back? You said we we're going to finish sixth after beating Burton. So yes. I want your score prediction and I want where you think we're going to finish. Has that changed after the win against Fleetwood? Um, no. <laughs> Still sixth. Or has it got worse? Uh, eighth again. Uh, <laughs> we're back to eight. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, about- I, th- I am optimistic, but I don't want to. I just don't want to get carried away because I'm like a child, and I'll get really carried away, and then I'll just be disappointed all over again. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, you've got to be respectful of these league one teams as well. Well, we could- so you can't. Well, well, there is, there is, of course, that. Uh, um, I believe we will win. 6-1 on Saturday. Oh, lovely. I don't want to get carried away. <laughs> who's get, who's getting the one for crew? Um, <laughs> oh, it'll have to be Mandarin, won't it? Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> no idea who else plays for crew. <laughs> Dis- disrespectful. I, I, I know, I know. But, uh, well, of course, crew being at home. Um, of course, yes. Because crew have never played in a away game. <laughs> um, there are a few glitches where it looks like they've played in a away game. Yeah, they yeah, actually yeah. haven't. I mean, um, no one would know, really, at the minute. It's all buying closed exactly. doors. Could be one big conspiracy, yeah. couldn't it? Could be. Uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, 6-1, uh, power with two. Um, uh, Conor Mack? Conor Mack getting on the score sheet. And then another another Charlie White hat-trick. How about uh, that? Why As not? The eh? uh, train for the championship leaves Crew Railway Station. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Very good, very good. <laughs> um, Just slightly gonna... delayed. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I want to echo Lewis's um, 3-1, actually. I know we're on a run of, you know, we've got a couple of clean sheets, but, you know, the makeshift back three. Mandarin's got nine goals as well this season, to be fair to him, so might might be something of a threat, but we're just scoring so so freely at the moment with McGeady assisting things. Um, you said you weren't getting carried away. Matt. I was I was far too giddy last night. I was like, you know, planning my trips to uh, QPR <laughs> to uh, oh, wow. the glamour of um, Swansea. Oh no, they're doing quite well. They might go off. Who's in mid to Redden? Um, oh no, aren't they struggling actually? Redden, come on, Matthew. You always watch the championship. Uh, Redden were doing all right, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think they should stay up. Yeah, I don't think right, anyone, so the- I don't think anyone here getting relegated. Well, either way, it's not like when you when you're dreaming of the of the champions. They're actually fifth of the Premier, so they're uh, they're they're doing quite well. Oh right, okay. I thought they <laughs> maybe they just had a bad run of form at one point. Now it's where you tell tells they're unbeaten all season. No, they lost to Berra the other day, so it's definitely going through a bad. Yeah, they did lose to Middlesbrough. The other oh day. yeah, we could have... they lost to Wickham last night actually. So oh, there'll be one terrible place that we're going to next season if we do go up. Newcastle, obviously. Way. Way. On that note, Derby Day superstition. On that note, on that little hair ruffle, on that little bit of disrespect, me and Matt will be back on Saturday for the reaction pod after we've turned over that muggy little crew, Alexandra, who's club's got Alexandra in the name anyway ridiculous uh, so after we turn them over we'll be back to smugly react to that um, Gareth and Stephen will be back on Monday after that as well enjoy the game on Saturday hopefully it's four wins in a row for the lads but as ever thank you very much for listening 